are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, praise the Lord. Amen? God is good. You know, I, I've had some conversations with some people this, this uh, last week who this is their very first fast that they've kind of stepped into. And I just want to say I'm very proud of you. And one of the kind of the fears that goes around that's kind of like, you know, especially with the Daniel fast, it's kind of like, hey, I, I'm working, I have a physical job, and I'm just I'm afraid that I'll get weak. Just remember the story of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they did that fast, they were stronger and healthier than everybody else. And uh, we don't want to walk into that place of fear, but we can sit there before the Lord and say, God, you know what I have to face today, God. You know what, it, uh, what, what is coming my way. And Lord, I just ask for a supernatural strength that I'm stronger, I'm, I'm healthier than everybody else. Amen? Amen. I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, I think it's bound wrap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to, and I done but had to drop about 85 pounds. So thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into Him. Yeah. You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. What? That's, that's not a sacrifice. That's, that's not even biblical. I mean, that, that's crazy talk, you know? I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into Him, maximize our lives. It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet. Are you even a Christian? I dare you to fast from your phone for one minute. You know, fine. Minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, he who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? Hello! I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. <laughs> Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday. This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. <laughs> so by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days. 
if I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule. And if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water. And if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my coworkers. I am persecuted within my fast. And if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight to my prayer closet. I do not talk to my wife. I do not play with the kids. I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what? I'm going to ask nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. I need the phone. I, I need to call. Um, no, you want to call. Fasting, and it just seems like absolutely everything comes down to our heart response, doesn't it? The Lord has always been about the condition of the heart, hasn't He? See, in Samuel, we, we, we read how the Lord sent Samuel to be able to anoint the next king. And, and, and uh, he goes down to the house of Jesse to be able to see the sons. And, 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 and let's see, read what happens in, in, in first, uh, Samuel 16, and we'll start in verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider this as his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things like people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, David was a young kid. And you know what? Even his own father, when, when he says, bring your sons before you, he brought forth all of his sons except David, the runt of the family. But the Lord knew David's heart. Why? Because David was out in the fields tending his shepherd, tending his sheep, just singing out praises to the Lord. He was, he was a boy who learned to walk in the presence of God. You know, I just found that, I, I said on my last pastor's post there, I just found that scripture absolutely amazing. And why I did that is because here we see a young man out in the, in the field just singing worship to the Lord. And, and I, I could just imagine this little boy's prayer. You know what, Lord, as I'm a shepherd... God, I just pray that you just keep away the lion. You keep away the bear. God, just keep my sheep safe. And then all of a sudden, the Lord sent a lion. The Lord sent a bear to attack the sheep. And now David was in that place to be able to fight. I don't know about you, but man, that would be pretty scary. As a young boy, with nothing but a rock and a sling to be able to defend himself against a lion and against a bear. But yet... He could have walked in that place where it's kind of like, you know what, God, you don't listen to me, Lord. Lord, you don't hear my prayers. God, I prayed specifically, and Lord, you still didn't do what I wanted you to do. And how many times do we do that? We get so frustrated with God because all of a sudden what we think is, should happen, what we think should go, the, uh, the way the life should go, doesn't go the way that we think it should happen. So it's kind of like, God, this is awful. God, if you really love me, you wouldn't allow this to happen. But hindsight is 2020, isn't it? 
You see, David could, we could look at the whole story and see that that lion and that bear prepared David for Goliath, perhaps one of the greatest challenges that he ever faced. That he could stand there in confidence saying, you know what, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against the Lord? Sometimes when these situations come into our lives, it's the Lord preparing us for what is coming in the future. I don't know about you, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but, but, but when you fast, it just seems like sometimes crisis has come. And it's kind of like, God, I'm fasting right now. Why is this happening, Lord Jesus, right now? Why are you allowing this to come into our family? Lord, I've been dedicating however many days to you just where I've been getting away and seeking the face of the Lord. And God is like, you know what? I've got you. I've got you in the palm of my hands. Will you trust me? This morning I want to look at the whole area of fasting. And I, today I want to teach on how to fast. This will prepare you and teach your family for the Lord, what the Lord has for us today. And today I want to show three of the nine reasons for fasting. Number one is the disciples fast. We find that in Mark 9, 28-29. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast that out? So he said to them, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So here we have a story with the disciples. Now just picture it. We have a dad who is just so distraught. There's something wrong with his child. And, and he knows that he's, and, and he's gone to doctors, he's gone to all this kind of thing, but it's did not have, he's not having an, an, an answer. So he's like, I know that Jesus will be able to do this. So he brings forth his child and he brings him forth to the disciples and the disciples kind of say stand back we got this one and they pray and they pray and against this demonic spirit that is on this kid and nothing happens and they're perplexed so they come before the lord and they're like jesus why couldn't we do this like we we've done it before is there not a formula in, in in what's going on why is this not happening and jesus says the reason is is because this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. And there's certain things that will attack your family. There's certain things that will, will come against you. And if we're not prepared in that area of prayer, and we're not prepared in that area of fasting, then guess what? Sometimes we don't have the ability or the power to be able to come against that. There's things in life that we just sometimes can't shake. Isaiah 58, which is the fasting chapter, verse 6 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo your heavy burdens, to let go of the oppressed to go free, and that you break every yoke? When you fast, you're doing a spiritual inventory to see if there's any side, anything within the temple of the Holy Spirit that would cause grievance to the Lord. Without prayer and fasting, it becomes too easy to become loose regarding sins and to allow compromise into our life. God wants the best for us. But as a dad wanting the best for my son, it wouldn't be wisdom for me to give him the keys of the truck and say, here you go, son. I want to read this morning Hebrews 12, 1-3. And this morning I'm going to read from the message because I really like the way that it's written. It says, do you see what this means? All the prisoners who's blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down and start running and never quit. 
No extra spiritual fat. No, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in, in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. He put up with the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story, item by item, the long list of hostility that Jesus plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know, as a pastor, I've met with so many people And sometimes we struggle with something in life that we just can't shake, don't we? Sometimes we get in that place and, you know what, maybe there's a powerful message that goes out or or maybe even in the quietness of our home, we just feel that Holy Spirit is bringing conviction upon us. It's just kind of like, Lord, I want to be set free from this that is holding me back. And we come up to the altar, we go to our prayer closet, we're like, God, help God. Lord, I need this out of my life. And then all of a sudden, boom, we find ourselves doing it again. And then what happens? The enemy then piles guilt on top of us because it's kind of like, God, I've already asked forgiveness. you, You set me free from this. And then, boom, I find myself doing this again. So we try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We try to get in that place through willpower and say, God, again, I ask your forgiveness. Lord, I will never do that again. Lord, if you just forgive me one more time, God, I promise I'll never do it again. And then all of a sudden, a week goes late by. It's like, yes, this is awesome. I'm doing it two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And then boom, we do it again. And then we're such in the pit because it's like, Lord, I promised you that I would never do this again. And here I am. I don't know about you, but I think every single one of us have gone, come across that. Every single one of us have found ourselves in that place. And, and when all of a sudden we make that mistake and we fail, it just is like the wind gets out of our sails. It's just like, man, I call myself a Christian, but yet I keep doing this. It's like that New Year's resolution. Gym enrollments are up every January because people want to lose weight. They want to gain muscle or become healthy. But what happens after a month of the gym, something gets in the way, whatever that may be, and then we wait until next year to make that same resolution. If we try to break free of sin using willpower, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. We must earnestly target that sin and say, God help, I need freedom. And there's certain sins that only come out through prayer and fasting. I think the body of Christ, our eyes need to be open this morning where we totally do understand that we're in a battle. That we totally understand that there is an enemy who's, roaring like a, who's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And once we understand that, that it's not because of, you know, sometimes we make bad choices. Sometimes we make poor decisions. But there's still an enemy out there who we need to target and say, Lord, I need help in this matter because God, I can't do it on my own. But God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So what is a parasitic sin? It's a habitual sin. It enslaves people. And these people are not closed-fisted. They're not people who are walking in rebellion towards the Lord. They're people who are truly broken, helpless. They want to be right before God, but they're trapped. 
Satan would love you as a believer to believe that you could never ever be free. That you're a hypocrite and that there's no hope for you. Fasting dethrones the flesh. We can target that sin and say, Lord, I need to be free. Your word says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. My friends, I've experienced this. Where all of a sudden the Lord takes an axe and puts it to the root. And all of a sudden something changes inside. Where, where there's not that pull. And there's not that draw to be able to do that sin or to be able to walk in that place because God literally has put the axe uh, to that root. And when God puts the axe to that root, it just is like, wow, this is what f- true freedom is. It's not like, oh, you know, Lord, I just, I, 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 I want to be set free. And, and then we walk through that place just trying and trying and trying to be good, but never ever uh, living up to that expectation. My friends, Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be partially delivered. He paid the price so you could truly walk in freedom. Target that sin in this next 21 days. Give God a chance to be able to release you. The next fast is the Ezra fast. Ezra chapter 8 deals with a great problem. Ezra had a financial problem that he didn't know how to deal with. It was a hard time. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, the Ezra fast deals with hard times. The Bible says in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. When trouble comes, you don't need to panic, fret, or stew. What you need to do is press into God's goodness. See, Ezra was given 7,500 pounds of gold and 24 tons of silver to be able to take back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. The only problem was between him and Jerusalem, the Bible says, were robbers and thieves, and he had a whack of money, and he didn't know how to get the money through safely. That is a lot of cash. You know what? And even if they had invented underwear belts in the time, I don't think 24 tons of gold and silver and stuff would, would, would be able to, to, he'd be able to hide at some place in his body. Um, um, so as he, as he goes through this place and he knows that he's got all this money and he's responsible for it and he's got to go through all these thieves, he's got to go through all these robbers and he's got just like carts full of cash. What would you do? See, I got to experience this, at least a taste of this. My last trip to the Ukraine, I went to the Ukraine, and, um, and every year, this was our fourth year uh, leading a team to the Ukraine, and, and every single year, I took my leaders, and, and I, we would carry the team cash. And the part of the Ukraine that we were in was, was, was really back in the, it was like third world type of conditions, and it's really kind of backwards, and, and, and as we're there, like if you give them a traveler's check, they wouldn't know what it is. It has to be cash, and it's, it, it, it's just weird, because if you had an American, they, they want American cash, and if it was, if it was an American bill that was crumpled, like, you know, like just been through, a, been through a, a life, I guess, and you'd give it to them, they wouldn't accept it. It had to be a clean, clean crisp American bill, or else it would, if it had any crinkles in it, it was a fraudulent bill. So we, through experience, we, we knew what to expect there. And what I would do every single year is as I would carry the team's cash is I would break it up with my leaders. I'd give, 
I gave one of my leaders 5,000 American, I had 5,000 American, and I gave another uh, leader 5,000 American. So that way, if anything happened to any one of us, we still got enough money to be able to, to get us home and to be able to do what we needed to do. So in that time, uh, on, the, on the plane trip over, we all have the money. It's all in our underwear belts. We're all doing all right. And then all of a sudden, um, one of the, uh, one of the uh, I'm not going to get into the story, but one of, the, uh, one of my leaders starts having a medical condition on the plane, and when we land, she's taken off to the hospital. So as, a, as the pastor of the trip, I went to the hospital to be able to visit her, and as I walked into the, the emergency there, they have a little waiting room, and the little waiting room there, I see her money belt sitting in the waiting room. And I just happened to notice it out of the corner of my eye, and I grab it, and I shove her money in my, with my money. Now I'm carrying 10 grand. Well, the leaders were a husband and wife team, and of course the husband is going to stay with the wife, and, and, and he starts to go with the wife, and this turned out to be a long-term thing where they had to stay in Ukraine for a, for a period of time, and he was no longer to be a part of the team, so he gives me back the 5,000. I'm carrying 15,000 American on me. One night I went and visited her in the hospital, and the hospital there is, again, it's a little bit different than what, what we want. Like, I, 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 uh, I broke an ankle there a few years back, and when I went there, they turned on the x-ray machine, and a cat ran out from underneath of it. You know, it, it, it's just very different. And, and um, when, when I was there, um, it, you know, when, uh, when I was in that place, the, the doctor came up to me and says, you know what, she needs some bandages and uh, you're going to have to go get them. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go get bandages? Yeah, because you don't, like, the doctors do, do the doctor's job. But any supplies that, that somebody would need in the hospital, you have to bring that and give it to them to be able to do whatever they need to do. So I'm like, okay, so where will I get some bandages? And, and he told me that there's a 24-hour pharmacy that I could go to and, and purchase that stuff. So I, I took my translator, and I'm, and I'm walking at 11 o'clock at night through this city, and all of a sudden, this spirit of fear came upon me. And I'm just like, you know, you just feel like there's something wrong. And I just kind of like the hairs on the back of your neck just kind of start to stand up. And it's just kind of like, okay, this, my spider senses are tingling. And, and as I was doing that, I'm just kind of like, I, I turned to my interpreter and I said, um, is, this a, is this a safe city? She says, no. This is one of the worst cities in Ukraine. She said, in fact, last, last week, there was a cabbie who died because he had two American dollars on him. I'm like, oh my Lord, I got 15,000. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to blend in. I'm just going to blend in. I'm looking at all the Ukrainian people. I'm like, okay, just kind of walk like them. Just kind of just be as Ukrainian as I possibly can be, you know? So I turned to him, I'm like, hey, if you didn't know me, I said, if I don't talk at all, like, I'll be mute, Right? If, if you just looked at me, would you think that I'm Ukrainian? She goes, no, you don't even look Ukrainian. I said, what do I look like? She goes, you look like a wealthy American. I'm like, no! <laughs> like, that's the worst thing you could say. And I'm just like, oh, Lord. And, 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 and you find yourself, when you're in a situation like that, you start praying and you start praying hard. Like, Lord, protect me. I've got all the team's money on me. My plan did not work out, and Lord, now I find myself in a dark place, and I find myself filled with thieves and robbers and murderers, and God, I need your wisdom in this. Lord, I need your divine protection on, in this. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Ezra had a financial dilemma he could have been worried. 
He could have lost sleep, but instead he calls a fast. And we read that in Ezra 8.23. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. How many times do we need to get in that place, even as a family, and we say, guys, let's pray. And we earnestly pray, you know, just right from the bottom of our spirits, right from our guts. And we say, God, would you protect us in this situation, Lord? God, would you look after us? And we get into that place where it's just like, Lord, we need you. And God answers your prayers. It's just kind of like, God, you are so amazing. I don't care what people say. You know what, there's going to be people who say, you know what, really, you're, you're trusting in the Lord for, for this, and you're trusting in the Lord for that. That just doesn't make sense. But God truly runs an upside-down kingdom, doesn't he? In the midst of the storm, when we should be worrying, and we should be nervous, and we should be not sleeping at night, and we're sleeping like a baby because the presence of God is with us. Or we're like, I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going to happen in here. Honestly, yes, I'm scared. But I know that God's got me. I know that he's going to look after our family. Does anybody have trouble? Is anybody going through a financial dilemma? God has a plan for you. He's got a plan to bless you where you are, to become the head and not the tail. As Ezra prayed and fasted, God gave him a solution during this fast. God knows that you have financial needs. And when you honor God through your tithes and offerings and seek God in fasting, what do you think God's going to do? He's going to bring forth a solution that is going to bless you. I declare God's got the solution for your financial bondage in Jesus' name. The next one and the last one that I want to talk about today is the Samuel fast. In 1 Samuel 7, 5, then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and in uh, in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against God. It's amazing to me how many times when we step in that place of fasting, it always starts out with confession. Lord, I want to be clean, God. And Lord, I just ask that God, before I, before I come before you, God, is there anything in my life, God, that will keep me away from you? Is there anything, Lord Jesus, that will keep your hand of blessing from upon me? God, is there any offense? Is there any insecurities, God? Is there any hidden sin in there, Lord, that I need to just sit there and say, God, whatever that may be, Lord, I need your help. Eli at that time was their spiritual leader. The Bible says that he was a fat man. His sons were living a life of wickedness and he chose to turn a blind eye to their evil. And under his watch, the ark of the Lord was taken. When Samuel took over for Eli, the first thing that he does is call a fast. They pray, sought for God, for the presence of God to return. Since I've been here, I've heard the words and prophecies that have been spoken over the city. They are many that still haven't been fulfilled. We need to fast. We need to seek the Lord for an atmospheric revival. Do you know when you walk into a room, you can change the atmosphere? In verse 21, we see that his, da- his uh, daughter-in-law, you know what, she went through this tough time. 
Her husband was killed in the battle. He was, he was Eli's wicked son, and he was killed. And then when the news hit Eli, Eli was so upset that he fell off his stool, and he was so fat that he broke his neck and died. And when this happened, all this stuff came upon her, and she was ready to give birth. And she gives birth in grief. And as she gives birth, she holds up her son, and she names him Ichabod which means the glory of the Lord has departed. I think that's such a sad scripture. Because she chose to name her son out of her present circumstance. The, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was gone. Her husband was dead and her father-in-law was dead. And then after she gave birth, she died. The glory of the Lord has departed. How many times do we do that? We're in the middle of something that is really difficult. And we vocalize with our mouth, you know what? And we make declarations that this is a, man, this is going to be a bad day. Oh, you know what? The Lord has left us or, or God, you don't love me. And we make these declarations that are just kind of like, don't name things and don't make declarations in your, circum, in your present circumstances. But Lord, open up our spiritual eyes that we can see and believe for what you have for us, God. You know, it's, it's like Elijah when he was there and, and, and the, the servant walked out and he saw all the people surrounding him. He's like, Elijah, we're dead. He's like, you know what, it, it's okay, we're all right. Greater, greater, is the, 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 w- w- greater is our numbers than their numbers. And, he, and I can see this little guy run outside, go, one, two, three, four, 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 and just do the, do the count, and then run back and go, one, two. No! We are definitely outnumbered. And Elijah says, you know what, Lord? Would you remove the blinders from his eyes so he could see? And all of a sudden, he sees an army of angels. That would bring such peace, wouldn't it? When you're in the midst of your trouble, when you're in the midst of your trials, don't allow panic to declare and speak circumstances and situations. The tongue that each one of us have, the words that we have are powerful. And when we make statements that are just sometimes we think they're just a flippant statement, what we're doing is we're making declarations in the heavens. One of the saddest verses in the Bible that I think is Judges 16.20. It says, Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as I did before. I will shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. I hate that verse. Because I see myself in that so many times. I see all of a sudden, you, maybe you allow, God gives us some victories and maybe God gives us some, some advances and we start making these advances and all of a sudden we get to the place of feeling pretty comfortable. And the Lord looks and says, really? You think you can do this on your own? And all of a sudden He takes the hands of blessings off you. And He takes the hands of blessings. As Samson woke up, he thought, I will do as I did before. You know what? The Lord said, don't cut my hair, but I cut my hair. Who cares? Look at my strength. I am so strong. The Philistines don't have a chance. 
So she cuts his hair, and when he wakes up, it's like, I'm just going to do what I did before, and all of a sudden he can't. And he didn't realize that the glory of the Lord had left him. We need to fast for an atmospheric change where he can break us down, download to our spirits, where we can cry out in a heavenly language for a revival to revive us once again. Cold Lake needs it. Someone from the street walks in and they're totally submerged in the manifest presence of God. Guys, I'm just, I'm just tired of church being church. You know what? If we don't, when we come in, if we don't change, if nothing changes, then why bother meeting? God wants to shake us to the very foundation. And one of, one of the things that we are so blessed with in our country is prosperity. And I thank the Lord for that, but we can get so comfortable that we truly don't need God. And all of a sudden, the Lord's hands goes off us, and we run out on our own, and we don't even realize that God is back there somewhere saying, you know what? You'll come and find me when all of a sudden crisis hits. You'll come and find me when all of a sudden you really realize that you need me. In the midst of prosperity, in the midst of good fortune, press in, fast, pray, declare that God, I am so thankful for who you are. I am so thankful for what you're doing And Lord, may I not leave your covering, God. May I not leave your presence because, God, I need you in everything. I need you, Lord Jesus, to be able to make financial decisions. I need you, God, to be able to make business decisions because, God, it says in James, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. And, God, I come before you, Lord Jesus, in fear and trembling, Lord, and say, God, I need wisdom, Lord. I need wisdom on how to be a dad. I need wisdom on how to be a husband. I need wisdom, Lord Jesus, on how to be a pastor. I need wisdom, Lord Jesus, on how to encourage people. I need wisdom, Lord Jesus, to be able to fast. I need wisdom, God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not a fear where we are totally, like there's there's all kinds of different talks about that. And some people say, yes, it is a fear where it's like, you know what, if I don't do what the Lord's going to do, he's going to kill me. But I believe that, you know what, God is that God and that, that is just like, son, I want relationship with you. And I don't know if it's a fear that's like, oh, God's going to kill me, but I know that it's a, it's a fear that, Lord, I, I, I just know I need you so much. I need you more than I need my next breath of air, God. And when we have that fear, that is the beginning of wisdom. When you fast, difficult situations are going to come before you. Trials are going to come up. Don't expect the devil to congratulate you. Don't expect all of a sudden you start fasting, the devil comes up and says, huh, wow, man of God, I, be- I better just stay away because uh, you are getting so close to the Lord right now and um, I-, I just don't, I-, I can't do anything. God wants us to press into his presence and the enemy wants us to stay away from receiving what the Lord has from us. And he's going to bring difficulties He's going to bring trials. He's going to bring tough times into our lives. 
He's going to throw everything at you to try to take you out of that place because he doesn't want you to live there. Be encouraged when all of a sudden trials start coming because you're on the right track. But when your world turns upside down, you say, wait a minute, I'm on day two of the fast. It must not be working. It is working. The devil doesn't want you to receive your victory. It's coming. He will try and distract you. I can't do this because I feel like I'm dying. You're going to make it. Press through for your answer is near. Team. Now that you're getting ready for a fast, don't think it's going to be easy. The last thing the enemy wants you to do is press into his presence. And during that fast, there's going to be so many opportunities to be able to break it. Yeah, I, I've, I've, done a lot, I've done enough, God. Lord, I did, a, I did one day, and Lord, that's all I want to do. Well, you know what? If that's what God has called you to, praise God. Do the one day. But if God is calling you to a three-day, to a seven-day, to a 21-day, would you, would, you, would you keep the course? Would you walk in that place where it's like, God, I want you, Lord Jesus, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, Father, to be able to get my breakthrough, Lord. Would you stand to your feet? Awakening 2013. Every single night, we've got prayer happening somewhere. You know what? If you don't have a, a schedule, are they in the bulletin this week? Does anybody notice? No? There's probably some schedules on the back table there. Grab one. If not, they're on the website, clcconline.ca. Find a place where every single night from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, you can go and pray and be encouraged, have fellowship together, and seek the face of the Lord as a, uh, as a corporate body. Get plugged into those small groups. Get plugged into that, that 21 days to be able to seek His face. Make sure you're writing down the visions that God has given you because it's important to be able to say, Lord, this is what I'm fasting for. To not say, okay, we, we can get wavered in so many different ways or off track. Your answers are coming. And I know in this congregation, I know, I know people in this room right now who are desperate, have got some pretty big needs this morning. God's got your solution. God's got your answer. For he is crazy about you. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you, God, for every single person in this room, Lord. And God, fasting is not easy, Lord. It, we, we dethrone the flesh, God. Our bodies are screaming out, eat. Our bodies are screaming out, feast. But Lord Jesus, there's a season, Father God, where we want to humble ourselves. We want to come before you, Lord Jesus, and say, God, we declare that you are greater. We declare that this temple is led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And God, may you bring that resolve to our spirits. May you bring that answer to our families. May you bring me to that place of prosperity, God, on my face before you, where I understand, God, that it is you who are the giver of good gifts. Lord, may your hand of, hand of blessing never depart from me, God. For God, your mercies are new every morning. In Christ's mighty name, amen.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.